Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth interactive study of the Word of God. I'm excited today because we're in the middle of a great series on life, death, resurrection, and eternal life. It could be the most important series that you study with us as part of our Hope Sabbath School family around the world. And we're going to be looking today at an encouraging topic, the New Testament hope. So welcome to Hope Sabbath School and welcome to the team. Amen. Good to be together again. Good to see your smiling faces. Jason, I'm excited you're going to be teaching today. What a great topic, the New Testament hope. We want to also welcome our team members joining us remotely. Nicholas, good to see you from Georgia. Glad you're with us. Uh, Shane, Shana, good to see you from Maine again. And Tricia Lee, great to see you from Virginia. We're glad you're part of our study today. We're always happy to hear from our Hope Sabbath School members, right? Yes. Around the world, we have it in about 200 countries. You say, Derek, how do you know that? Because they're using our app, and we get the statistics on how many countries are using our Hope Channel app. But we also get emails, and they'll tell us where they're from. This is from Michigan in the United States. Now, Travis, that's your territory, right? And Brittany, homeland. So give a wave to Gregory in Michigan, all right? He says, Hope Sabbath School is an authentic show where panelists interpret scripture from the perspective of their own experience. Mm -hmm. But also, it may be a force that will bring the church into a more unified, cohesive, worldwide whole. Wow. wow. We are now so separated from one another along the wall. Yeah. Well, Gregory, I'm not sure what wall that is, but you're right. The enemy wants to divide, and God wants us to be unified. Amen? Amen. But not just unified by some kind of lowest common denominator, but unified in Christ. Amen? Amen. So thanks for writing to us, uh, Gregory from Michigan. Here is a note from Maureen in Guyana. Now, Travis, you've worked in Guyana, right? So you know the folks there. And Maureen writes and says, I appreciate the interactive nature of Hope Sabbath School and the wide cross-section of panelists. Okay, let's take a look at the panelists. Look at each other. Do you notice that we don't all look the same? That, that we're not all ladies. We're not all men, right? And we're not all from one part of the world. That's because we represent a global family. And uh, Maureen's saying, I like that. Thanks for writing to us, Maureen, from Guyana. By the way, that isn't by accident, is it? We want Hope Sabbath School team to look like the world. Here's a note from a donor in New York State in the United States of America. And the donor writes, Thank you, Hope Sabbath School team, for all you do with the Bible study. My family has watched the program for years, and we have been blessed. Here's a small donation to help the ministry. God bless you, and a donation of $150. Amen. Thank you, donor in New York State. We're glad you're part of the miracle. And by the way, at this time of the year, if you're thinking about how can I make a difference to impact the world for Christ, think about making a donation to Hope Sabbath School. Just go to hopetv.org slash hopess, click on the donate button, and we all smile. Because we're part of a team. We're volunteers here, but... It takes money to broadcast around the world, so thank you for being part of that ministry. And one last note from Alma in Texas. Anybody here from Texas? Nisha, are you from Texas? All right, Alma writes from Texas in the United States. She says, I love everything about Hope Sabbath School and everyone on the team. Amen. 
I've never understood the Word of God like I do since I started watching Hope Sabbath School. Praise Amen. Amen. <laughs> I feel like family, and I know you all be blessed. Amen. Well, Alma, thanks for writing to us from Texas here in the United States. We'd love to hear from you. He said, Derek, I don't write to people. Well, but we'd like to hear how God's blessing your life through a study of the Word of God. Write to us at sshope at hopetv.org. And you say, I'm not very skilled on the computer. Then ask your, your son or daughter or your grandchild, and they'll tell you how to do that. <laughs> sshope at hopetv.org. Maybe you're just a youngster. You say, can I write in if I'm only 12? Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you how God is blessing you as part of the Hope Sabbath School family. Oh, we've got a special gift, don't we? We have a special gift for you during this series on life, death, resurrection, and eternal life. It's a digital book called The Story of Jesus. And I'm excited about that. It's um, focusing specifically on the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and His gift of eternal life to us. And you can get a digital copy of The Story of Jesus absolutely free by going to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. You've learned that by now. And in the middle of the screen, it says free gift. Just click on that button and you can get a free digital copy of the story of Jesus. Well, right now we need you to help us with our theme song. Oh, theme songs are always helpful, aren't they? And uh, what's our theme song for this series? Anybody tell me? Do not be afraid. Oh, it's the word of Jesus, isn't it? From Revelation chapter 1. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades. That's the grave and of death. I'm so thankful for that scripture of Jesus. Let's sing it together. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and who is to come, the Almighty, the Almighty.
What an amazing promise of Jesus. Jason, I'm looking forward to the study on the New Testament hope. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Derek. Uh, please bow your heads as I pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, as we open your word, Lord, help us to find hope in you. Amen. Lord, as we look through the New Testament, as we look through the scriptures, Lord, help us to have encouragement no matter what we're going through in this life. Guide our hearts, guide our minds. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, we've been looking here at this idea of life, death, you know, what happens after death. We talk about resurrection and eternal life. And today we're looking at this from the perspective of the New Testament. And who was the most prolific author of the <laughs> New Testament? Who wrote a large portion of the New Testament? Paul. Paul, yes. And so we're actually going to go and start in the writings of Paul. We're going to go to a letter he wrote to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to ask Brittany if you could start us out here. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you could read verses 12 through 19, because as Brittany weeds, we're going to see here for Paul, this is not just a light matter. This is something very important. And as she reads, listen, let's see why for Paul is this so important, this idea of eternal life, of resurrection. Why is it so urgent for him? I'll be reading from the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 says, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Mm. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only, we have hope in Christ. We are, of all men, the most pitiable. Mm. Ouch! That's some pretty <laughs> strong language there. We are, of all men, the most pitiable? Yikes. All right, Jason, what do you think of that? What is Paul saying there? Well, it's just saying, for the most part, that our, our hope, our faith relies on Jesus being resurrected. You know, without that, uh, like Paul said, it's futile, you know, and we would still be in our sins. Mm. We would still be in our sins. Nisha? Yeah, and it also, I mean, it, it, while the dead have no hope, we have hope for the dead that we are going to be resurrected once right. again, and it also it, it removes that as well. I'm thinking of what Jesus said in, in the theme song. You know, right. he has the keys of the grave and death, so his victory over death becomes our victory, victory. when we have faith in him. Exactly. Amen. Amen. Yes. Travis, you wanted to uh, add here to what you see here Paul's talking about? Well, um, it just seems... Uh, I'm trying to think of the audience who he's speaking to, and I'm thinking he must have been speaking to the Sadducees because they didn't believe yeah. and, and taught that there was no resurrection from wow. the dead. So this would have been a paradigm shift for some who would have right. uh, thought that there was no resurrection. Well, I think it wouldn't be Sadducees, though, because we're in Corinth here. Mm -hmm. So we're... Are the Greeks, then? Yeah, these would be Greeks who maybe believe in, in some kind of immortality of the soul that we float off, flesh is bad, spirit is good, which is not what Jesus taught, right? right? That's correct. Jesus taught a literal resurrection from the dead. But, uh, you know, probably they're in Corinth uh, with the Greek philosophy 
uh, there's this argument that really a bodily resurrection would not, not be even desirable. Mm. That's right. And Paul makes it clear this is also important in a spiritual sense. What do you see there? What does he talk about how this is important in a spiritual sense? Brittany, what is, what is he referencing there? Well, he says if Christ hasn't risen, then we're still stuck in our sins. We're trapped in our sins and there's no hope for us to have eternal life because sin, the, the consequence of sin is death. Harold. I was just going to add, if there's no resurrection, then what's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of our existence? Mm. Like, why are we here then? Nothing matters at that point. Right. If, if our existence is just this, anything goes. And Paul makes a hint to that. I would like, Harold, actually, if you could go in this chapter, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, go to verse 32, and just read the second part there, part B, if you will, of verse 32, because Paul literally basically says almost that same idea, Harold. So if you could read that for us. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Hmm. All right. So what does that say, Travis? What is the point of this life if the dead do not rise? Well, I mean, I'm thinking here, you know, in terms of how we live today. And basically, he's, he's saying, if this isn't true, that he hasn't been raised, we might as well just live it up because it's all we got. Mm -hmm. Ah, there we go. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is actually, you guys notice, is Paul quoting somewhere here? Mm -hmm. Yes, Jason. He's quoting uh, Solomon. And it's interesting because he chose that because, of course, in Ecclesiastes, we see that, you know, Solomon is basically kind of doing an a overlook of life itself. And so he pulled this from this to kind of make his point more pointy. Mm -hmm. All right. So we should probably read that then. He's quoting from Ecclesiastes. He's actually quoting from chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, which we know is written by Solomon. Uh, the wisest man who ever lived, we could say even one of the wealthiest. I'm going to ask Laurel if you could read, because we're going to read about this man who tried to get pleasure, who tried to get, shall we say, hope, if you will, right. out of this world, out of this world's existence. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Laurel, if you could read verses 1 through 11. Let's see here. And as she reads, let's look. What is his attitude? What are the actions he tries to do? And then, of course, what is his conclusion? I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself. And behold, it too was futility. I said of laughter, it is madness. And of pleasure, what does it accomplish? I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine, while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of their lives. I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself, and I planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I had home-born slaves. I also possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Also, I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of men, many concubines. 
Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity, striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Mm. Wow. That's quite a, uh, shall we say, a testimony. Yep. So I want to start, I want to go through this passage. Harold, what is the attitude of Solomon at the beginning here? What are his thoughts towards life? Well, I mean, at least the thing that he did on earth, he just realized after he enjoyed himself, he wasn't filled. All right. It wasn't fulfilling at the end of the day. And he still wanted to do more. But he still wanted to do more. Travis? It's as if he's trying to take all his wisdom and put it into this one idea, I want to get the most out of life. That's what he's striving for. So in his, it seems like this isn't God-given wisdom. I'm going to, with all my wisdom, try to, to get the most I can out of this short period of life that I have. And did you see what are the things he tries to do? Nisha, what are examples? What are some of the things you see there he, that he actually tries to do to get pleasure out of life? So uh, monetarily, he accrues a lot of wealth, and so he then starts building himself things. There are vineyards, there are homes, there are people to work in the homes, uh, there are wives, there are everything that uh, you could acquire, possibly with money. Yes, people to work in the home, wives, and uh, is he getting these by free choice? We get some hint here. Apparently, he's also including other people forcibly in this. So he's. Uh, exploiting other people to get his own pleasure out of all these experiences. And what is his conclusion? <laughs> what does he say it is, Brittany? It's all vanity. <laughs> it's all vanity. Worthless. It's all empty. It's empty. It's grasping the wind. It's striving after the wind. Some even say chasing the wind. Hmm. All right. So why is it chasing the wind, Travis? Why is it pointless to go after these pleasurable experiences. Well, I, you know, I've actually never tried to grab wind, but it seems, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like, you know, if I was to go out in a windstorm and grab, try to grab or chase wind, it's useless, right? Uh, it's going to profit me nothing because I'm not going to catch it. And so what Solomon is doing here is, if and after he's um, applied all his wisdom, he said, you know what? It's uh, everything that I've done is just absolutely useless. It's actually profited me nothing. Mm. Right. Nisha. Um, within what he's saying, what he doesn't seem to be saying is that he was, he was looking for something. Some, and all of this didn't fulfill in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like, he's like, he's saying it's vanity, but he's saying it meant nothing. I'm still empty. Mm. And I think that's, that's the problem. I'm still empty, yes. And Derek. what's really tragic is that nowhere in this does he say, I earnestly sought the Lord yeah. right. and asked him how I could find meaning and hope in my life. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, at the end of the book, he'll say, reverence God and, and keep his commandments, you yeah. know. Right, right, right. But, but here, God doesn't seem to be in the picture at all. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but at least he gives a confession to people who might try to go down this same yeah. useless road yes. of finding hope in, in stuff or in uh, physical sensation. Eric. And um, one of the things that he alludes to here is that life is brief, mm -hmm. which means even after doing all these things, one when at the end of life, mm -hmm. then everything that you've done, you find that you know they, you can't take it with you. It's meaningless. At the end of the day, yeah. you have fun and all that 
all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, it is still meaningless. Mm. You leave it Terrible. right here. I was just going to add, but it does say about something about human nature because the fact that we're always trying to seek mm -hmm. and be failed, seek and failed. Mm. And actually, I believe it's because the next chapter says that God has put eternity in us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that eternity that he has put in us in the sense of like seeking, like for the best. And actually, God did create pleasure. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that is part of his creation. He even called, made a garden called pleasure mm -hmm. so we can enjoy. Mm -hmm. And that eternity can only be filled through God because God is eternal and we will always be satisfied if we are at his, at his uh, mm -hmm. foot every day and seeking right. him. And Amen. maybe that's why All right, we will Kenneth, never be and then I got a question for you guys. Yeah, um, to me, it sounds like he was speaking to um, present day. You know, like <laughs> the way we are living our lives yeah. as a young person, all the things that we think bring fulfillment, bring joy, but every single one of them, as you keep going up the ladder, which he described, you become emptier and emptier. So mm. I think if there's someone who can share his experience, a billionaire, right, right. and did all of this and still says it's vanity, yeah. I, I, I would take him serious. Yeah. Kenneth referenced present day, and lest we be so hard on Solomon, <laughs> have we ourselves sometimes possibly lived for pleasure? I'm just curious, and I know this is a personal, uh, vulnerable moment, but is there anyone here on the team maybe where you've had some experiences, like Solomon, you wanted to try to get what you could out of this life. You wanted to live for pleasure. Is there anyone here on the team? Harold, you nodded your head? Mm. Well, I mean... Sure, I'll, I'll go ahead. I, I was not uh, nodding my head, but I mean, <laughs> I can start even at a younger age. All right. Um, as a younger boy, actually, I w was very ambitious. I always wanted toys, <laughs> even when my mom and my father never uh, wanted to buy it because for their means. But I always find a way how to get that regardless. Mm -hmm. So I would come up with schemes to steal mm -hmm. and just keep it in a way that if I made it up here, I said my parents bought it. So like one time I went to the store, I stole like this uh, set of uh, toys and I hid it in my father's uh, closet. And after he came from work, he's like, oh, how did you, you know, how did they get this? Here? And I said, oh, thank you for buying this for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, and th it's in your closet. And I was a young boy. I was probably like six, five years old. Mm -hmm. wow. And it, it didn't end there. I will go to the parks. Mm -hmm. I will see the toys. I will be waiting until the, the children will go away <laughs> and I'll just steal it and bring it home. Oh. And I would do that for many years, even to my teenage years. I would still steal mm -hmm. because I, for some reason, I always wanted something, but I realized I was never satisfied, mm -hmm. but I kept doing it. Yeah. Mm. Until, of course, I understood more Jesus is like, oh, wait a minute, this is my true fulfillment, not these things. Mm -hmm. So even as a boy, you tried to get your fulfillment out of toys, out of pleasure, out of things, yeah. and you found that it's not valuable, it's, it's mm. not, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't help. Yes, Derek? I just want to affirm Harold for having the courage to share his testimony. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because sometimes people watching Hope Sabbath School think, well, you folk are all like perfect people, right, and right. I'm struggling because I've been addicted to something. Yeah. And it may, not, it may not be even things that are bad. I may be addicted to being top of my class, having right. the highest yeah. grades. But, but even those things don't meet the deepest longing yeah, right. of the heart. Yeah. Right. Mm. Right. Only God can meet that. And I think, uh, I think uh, Kenneth is right. That, that's our culture today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are trying to find hope in things apart from God. Mm. And as Harold shared there, while he tried to find uh, meaning and hope out of toys, out of pleasure, he said it wasn't uh, valuable. It was pointless. It was vanity, meaninglessness. Yeah. 
why is that, Travis? Why do we get hopelessness even when we're trying to find hope and pleasure out of this world? You know, I'm just thinking of Jeremiah 2.13 is where the, it talks about um, Israel uh, pursuing um, wells that are without water. And mm. basically, these are just, you know, we're okay. hungering and thirsting, but the real thing that God wants us to hunger and thirst for is righteousness because that's the one thing, His righteousness, mm. that's the one thing that can bring us peace Amen. and joy and happiness is, is living a life of service for God. Amen. Well, we need to continue. We've shared a little bit of some things. It may sound a little depressing. We've talked about, <laughs> which is true because hope in this world is depressing. It's vanity. It's pointlessness. But there is good news, guys. Amen. There is hope. And I'm going to ask Shana if you could read for us about this hope. We're going to go to the gospel, to the book of John. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, because guys, while this world is pointless, this world is hopeless, the pleasures of it, there is hope. The New Testament does talk about this hope. And I'm going to ask Shana if you could read about this hope for us right now. Sure, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. All right. So Jesus is sharing this to his disciples. And does anyone know what is the context? Why does he say, let not your heart be troubled? Why does he say, don't worry? Brittany, what's the context of when Jesus is saying these words? Well, this is right after they've had the Last Supper, and um, it talks about he's predicting Peter's um, denial of him um, right before these verses. And he's saying, even though all these things are going to happen, I'm going to die. Um, you guys are going to all leave me. Don't give up. Hope Don't give up. I'm preparing a place for you and I will come back. That's right. Because is it possible the disciples might have been tempted even to have a little bit of pleasure or a little bit of hope in uh, this world? We made reference, uh, Pastor Derek shared about, you know, pleasure and achievement. And maybe the disciples had some of that hope in Jesus. Yes, Kenneth. Yeah, I think earlier on when we look at the life of the disciples, the hope of Jesus was mm -hmm. Jesus establishing um, an eternal kingdom or a kingdom on earth to right. redeem them from their temporal suffering. They were not looking for an eternal hope. So their hope was even limited, something that Jesus could not fulfill. And sometimes we see that today. Some people hope in God is for them to have that kind of material world or something that they need here and now, not something bigger. Mm. Yes, Nisha. I, um, what Kenneth was just saying just made me think, I don't, if without God, we don't understand. God kept trying to break this notion that you can get happiness here on earth. And he was trying to expand their minds in a way that they just completely didn't understand mm -hmm. in a hope that was just so much bigger than what you can physically see. And he's like, you don't understand how much happier you will be or how much more hope you can experience in something that I am going to give you. All, you have to take your eyes off of what is in front of you. But they were having tr trouble doing that in that moment. That's right. Mm -hmm. Travis. Well, I'd just like to say that they had already given up 
at this point, they had already given up their careers to follow Jesus, mm -hmm. true. and they were about to suffer a great disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. And so here I see the love of God in that he's sharing with them, I will return. And they don't even, you know, they can't even comprehend that they're going to, what's going to happen. And when it happens, matter of fact, when people come back to them and say, he's risen, they're like, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> and so here's the promise to, to them and to us that Jesus will come again. That is the promise. Jesus will come again. Yes, Jason. Yeah, I'd just like to add to this is one of my favorite scriptures right here. But I took notice of the latter part of verse two when it says, you know, if it were not so, I would not tell you. Mm. I just love it that, you know, Jesus kept it real with us, kept it 100 percent, you know, laying it all out before us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we also hear this promise repeated again by someone else here also in the New Testament. I'm going to ask Nisha if you can go to the next book of the Bible, right towards the very end of Jesus' experience here on this earth. If you could go to Acts chapter 1 and read for us verses 9 through 11, because we're going to have this promise repeat it again, and this time, maybe not even just by Jesus. Someone else is going to share this promise. Sure. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. All right, so we have a promise here. And who gave this promise? Was this a promise from Jesus or who gave this promise, Nisha? Uh, two angels, we assume. Yeah, probably angels. Two, we know they're uh, men in white, heavenly messengers. All right, and what is this promise, Brittany? What is the promise that they share? that the same way Jesus went to heaven, he's going to come back right, again. Right. You have this hope that he told you that he's preparing a place for you and he will come back for you. All right. What does this mean, Travis? We have this hope that Jesus will return and have this place for us. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I think for me personally, um, it's not just for me, but it's the, the, the fact that he will return um, is a blessing for um, you know, I'm thinking about my mother and those who have yeah. preceded me in death, that, that when, I, when he returns, um, that I'm going to be, meet them. So it's not just like a personal um, happiness that I get, you know, or selfish happiness, because it's about me, but it's because everybody is included um, in this promise. Trisha Lee. I think it's really important what the angel shared because what it really means is that there's no confusion as to Jesus coming back. We don't have to mm -hmm. think that we'll miss his return. He said the same way he's coming, <laughs> same way he went is the same way he's coming. So if someone's looking for hope, they don't have to um, be anxious that they're going to miss this big hope. They're going to miss Jesus's return. Um, I think that's why it was really important for them to specify the same way you see him go is the same way he's going to return. Because if you're looking for hope in Jesus and you're not sure, did I miss him? Did he come back? Did somebody else, you know, no, he's going to come in a very visible way. And that's really important when we're thinking about what, you know, what that means for us that are expecting and looking forward to him with that hope. Amen. Shana, you want to add to that? Yes. And this hope that we have in Jesus' return is not like anything that we hope for here on earth that 
we'll attain whatever we're hoping for and then we get it and then okay the hope dies and okay what's next what else can i pursue what else can i get this hope that we have in jesus it's it's everlasting because once once he comes all the all the pain and the suffering and all the bad things that we're associated with on this earth will end and mm. and what we'll have in jesus will be everlasting and forever amen 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 yes, you know, i just want to share those two verses in john 14 and acts 1 are really important mm -hmm. uh, jesus himself and then these two messengers and it says if it just said two men you'd say well i guess some people living there but dressed in white is kind of a cryptic clue to the um, tomb where two people in shining garments appear wow. and say, he's not here, he's risen. So these are clearly heavenly messengers. But, but not long after uh, these words are recorded, this, this false teaching comes that Jesus is not going to come back literally. Mm -hmm. uh, even religious people say, well, he'll come in your heart. Right. Well, that's not what Jesus said, as <laughs> Tricia Lee pointed out. Yeah, yeah. The same way, personal, visible, audible, going up into heaven, that's how he's going to come back. And I think we need to really hold fast to that hope and not let people explain it away in some kind of mystical way. Mm -hmm. Amen. Kenneth. The little thing I wanted to add is this. The angel says, this same Jesus, you know, in the Bible, the same is replied, um, supplied, but the original word says, this Jesus. We see in our world, for the little time I've lived on this earth, there has been so many type of Christ, false Christ coming, mm -hmm. bringing this kind, different kinds of hope. But the good news is that he's saying this same Jesus, not a different Jesus, right. not a counterfeit Jesus. And it's very important that mm -hmm. it is the Jesus of the Bible, not Amen. the Jesus people have <laughs> created for us. Right. The Jesus of the Bible. Amen. And these disciples, if you think about it, uh, when did they imagine that Jesus would return? What timeline do you think uh, they were thinking of, uh, Brittany? Maybe weeks, months, maybe a year at the most. They, they certainly weren't thinking after their death. Yeah, certainly not after their death. Harold? Well, I mean, they even, I get at, the, at the beginning of chapter 1 of Acts, it does say that we will restore your kingdom when Je before Jesus even ascends. They ask him, and Jesus said, no, it's not the time. Right now, you, your job is to spread the gospel, <laughs> the good news. And they go out and do that. And Matthew tells us, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world, and then the end will come. They take that very literally. Right. They go out, and you know, almost all of them uh, lose their lives for the sake of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is, though, a one that is still remaining at the very end. The, who was the last person uh, that would have had this experience, the last disciple, uh, to still be alive? Who was the last person, Brittany? John. Mm -hmm. John. Mm -hmm. And the Apostle John, he received one last message from Jesus at the very end of the book here. And this is in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to ask Nicholas if you could actually read for us here because the last book of the Bible and uh, it's referenced in uh, Revelation chapter 3, but also the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, Jesus reiterates something to the Apostle John, very important. And I'm going to ask Nicholas if you could actually read for us in Revelation chapter 22, so last book, last chapter, if you could read verses 7, 12, 
and 20. And as Nicholas reads, I want us to hear what do we, what do we hear repeated over and over? What is the common theme that we are told here? Absolutely. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Verse 7 says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. And then again in verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. 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 All right. So what is the theme, Kenneth? What do we hear repeated over and over there? Behold, I'm coming quickly. Yeah. I'm coming quickly. Uh, Travis. It, it says that he is coming quickly. But one of the things I just want to point out is that this could be relative um, even to our life. I mean, let's say I live 80 years. I've only you know, been alive for 80 years. My next conscious thought is Jesus coming in the clouds. That's going to be quite quickly. I'm not going to know that however many years have passed. But there's also a promise uh, or an explanation in Second Peter 3, mm -hmm. 3 that says, actually, uh, I'm, the reason there's a delay isn't because I'm not keeping my promise. It's that I'm actually not willing that any should perish. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing to remember when we wonder how it's, why it's taking so long. Trisha Lee, uh, you have a thought here? Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate Travis's comments about, you know, we're None of us have to wait 2,000 years. No one has waited 2,000 years. You know, you're really only waiting as long as your own lifetime. But just thinking about, you know, if my husband says he's on his way to pick me up, get ready. All right, I get ready. But if I call and I'm like, where are you? Are you passing the gas station? Are you passing the school? Are you around the corner? You know, if I ask those kinds of questions, I'm trying to gauge like where, how close or how far. And if I know where he is, I probably won't be ready when he gets here. Right. If he says, be ready, I'm on my way, because I don't know where he is on the road, I'm going to be rushing and hurrying up, right? But if, as soon as I know he's at the school, oh, okay, I have a little bit more time. Maybe we'll go relax. Mm -hmm. So I think God gives us things to look for, signs throughout the Bible, but no man knows the day, the hour, the time, because he wants us to just be ready. Right. He doesn't want us to be getting ready. He wants us to be ready. And so in many ways, it's just like that. You know, he's not going to tell us that he's, you know, however many months or years or weeks away that, that he says to be ready. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that's just human nature. If we think we have an idea that he's at the stop sign or at the gas station, we might slow down or we might get a bit, you know, complacent and not take that promise um, as earnestly or as urgently. Yes. Nicholas, you wanted to add to that. Yeah, of course, this being in the book of Revelation, too, there's other prophecies that have to do with the end of time. And, you know, looking at these prophecies, we can know that there would have to be some time that would pass um, before before Jesus would be able to come. But I think one reason, too, that he says he's coming quickly is, again, he wants to give each individual believer that hope and that expectancy that he is coming quickly. Because on the scope for the onlooking universe, Christ's coming is is going to be soon and it is going to be coming again soon mm. and i think he wants to you know after he described a whole apocalyptic book with you know kind of some things that may be scary at the end he wants to say you know i'm coming quickly it's kind of like a surgery or a medical operation it's going to be over soon even if you fall asleep for part of it when you wake up christ has come again 
Amen. 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 That's encouragement. Thank you, Nicholas. I do have to ask, though, because there are people who especially come to us who believe in the soon coming of Jesus and say, you say Jesus is coming soon. Why has it taken so long? Why has it taken so long, Brittany, Harold, Travis? Why has it taken so long, Kenneth? Why has it taken it um, so long? One of the things that Jesus said is that um, we should send the gospel message to all the world. Mm -hmm. He never said everyone is going to believe. Mm -hmm. So, and I know there are still people groups who still haven't heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's for me and you to take this message mm -hmm. to these people so that it will be their witness. And then, just as the Bible said, then the end will come. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now there is a parable that might give us a hint and uh, help us reference this. For the sake of time, I'm not going to have us read it all, but I'm going to ask for a volunteer that can give me a quick summary of this parable. I do encourage you to read it though. Go to the book of Matthew 25, read verses 1 through 13, read this parable, and I'm going to ask if someone on the team here very quickly can give me a 30-second summary. What is this parable? What does it tell us? And maybe we can talk about what lessons it might teach us about this idea of waiting for Jesus and the soon coming and the delay. Brittany, do you want to try to give us a little quick summary of this parable? Sure. So there was a wedding that was going to happen and there were 10 virgins um, and each of them had a lamp and each of them put some oil in the lamp. Uh, but five of them were called wise and five of them were called foolish. And the only difference between them is that the wise ones took extra oil, while the foolish ones only had enough for a short time. Well, everyone fell asleep. Um, and at midnight, a cry went out, the bridegroom is here and come join him in his feast. And so they, they wake up and, um, you know, the five wise ones, they had extra oil, so their oil, their lamps were still shining brightly, and they went in to this wedding feast. Uh, but the five foolish ones, their, their lights had gone out. They didn't have the extra oil, and they said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. We want to be able to go into this wedding feast. And they said, no, uh, we can't share our oil. You have to go buy it. Um, but it was too late when they went to buy it and they came back to the feast, they knocked on the door and the bridegroom said, nope, too, it's too late. Um, you know, you can't, you can't come in. All right. Thank you, Brittany. I appreciate that summary. So what lessons does this teach us? What lesson does this tell us, Travis? What can we gain from this parable about this idea of the delay of Jesus coming? Well, one of the things that we learned from the parable is that none of us are perfect. They were all sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, and, um, but one of the things I think that we can learn from this is, um, is to be ready every day. Um, mm. Apparently, some of them were ready for the wrong reasons, mm. right? And uh, so, you know, it's not, we aren't to be ready just so we uh, don't miss out on eternity, but actually, uh, I was thinking of uh, the, the woman at the well when, when Jesus said that true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. God actually wants people who love Him, right? right? Exactly. And so we're not just waiting because we want to get into heaven. We're waiting because we actually look forward to seeing our Redeemer. Mm. And I think that's really important what Travis is saying because at the end of this narrative, he says to the foolish, you know, I, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. We don't have a relationship. So it's much more than just, well, couldn't you share some oil? Mm -hmm. uh, th there, in another portion of scripture, it says there's a form of godliness. Yes. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and tragically, that's what I think we're saying here. But in terms of the delay, because we're talking about the hope, right? Yes. There's no way in that story 
that says the bridegroom came at any time other than when he intended to come. Yeah. Right. For them it seemed like a delay. Yes. And I, I think we need to see the return of Jesus from, from God's perspective. You know, I'm coming quickly in terms of eternity, you know, versus my little life. Yes. Right, right. But, but the key that we've been hearing is that we need to be ready in a relationship with Jesus every day. Amen. Eric. And I was going to say the same thing. Uh, I, Trisha, you mentioned the same thing, that always be ready. And one of the things that the wise ones had were is they were ready. They were ready at, at the time. They were ready. They, were, they had even ex, extra just in case mm -hmm. um, what they, um, the, the bride, quote unquote, came, you know, delayed. Because like, like Derek just said, there was not a set time when he was supposed to get there. Mm -hmm. It just had to be ready for when he gets there. That's, That's right. right. Being ready. All right. Well, we need to continue on because what are we getting ready for? What are we wanting to experience? It's eternal life. And so is eternal life only a, a future experience? Kenneth, I would like if you could read for us also another book written by the Apostle John, because there's an interesting testimony from the Apostle John in the book of First John, chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. And this testimony might give us a little hint, if we will. Let's look at some of the language about when do we get eternal life? Is it simply a future experience? Let's see what the testimony of the Apostle John is uh, related to his experience with Jesus Christ. All right, and I will be reading from the New King James Version, and it reads, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Amen. 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 All right. So if we have anyone who knows a little bit about English grammar here, uh, what what tense are these words? Is this talking about a future experience? What words do we see here? Laurel, what words do we see here um, that tell us about what tense uh, these words are in? So like, he who has the Son has life. That's present. So presently, you need to have God in your life right now. Has. Mm -hmm. Present. So is it possible, Travis, to have eternal life right now? Well, if the word of God is true, yes, because it says that you may know that you have eternal life, life. present tense. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, I believe that the word of God is inspired and is true. So, yeah, I believe that it is possible. All right. So it is possible. Yes, Eric. Um, I, 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 it may be a little confusing um, saying that you have eternal life right now. And someone might take it literally and say, because I have Christ and I believe in Christ, that I am not going to die. But I don't think that is what it references. I think it references, like, because I have Christ, there is a promise of, of eternal life at the, once I am transformed from this body of sin and I'm transformed into, you know, what, what really God intended for me. Mm. Yes, Derek. I think it's both. Mm -hmm. I think this, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or in fullness. Yep. I think uh, eternal life is not just length mm -hmm. of, of life. I think it's quality of life. Quality of life. And, and that's why, as we've been sharing, if I experience the fullness of life with Christ and I happen to fall asleep in death and be raised at His resurrection, Amen. really my life with Him has not stopped. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, 
I'm, I'm experiencing that eternal life and the, the, the certainty of that hope uh, every amen. day. Yes. Amen. 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 Trisha Lee. Yeah, just building off of Eric and Pastor Derek's um, comments, you know, if we go to sleep, you wake up the next day, you don't say your life stopped. Um, and the Bible says that, you know, death is asleep. And so from a physical perspective, at the end of our lives, we fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And our next thought, we wake up and we are in eternity. You know, eternity has begun or continued for us. The short period of time that we live compared to forever, it's really not a big difference. So physically, that eternity, the promise is there. It's, it's We're just continuing in that. But also... It's a mindset, and that's that perspective that, you know, yes, we can have eternal life, but the mindset is that despite the bad things that are still happening around, I can still have hope because I know I have Jesus Christ. I realize those bad things that are happening, sin is temporary, and I'm looking forward to the eternity where it's all gone. And so I think that's the, the dual aspect of it. There is this physical life. That at one point I will fall asleep and wake up to continue eternity. But also I can have that eternal mindset right now. And that's the hope that despite the negative things happening around me, I know that Jesus is coming back and those things will pass away. So I can still have that joy and that happiness that can only come from Jesus because I can see and have the mindset of Christ that these bad things, the bad things are not forever. They will Amen. pass away. Amen. 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 They will pass away. Yes, Nicholas. I think also one of the things is that kind of ties the resurrection together with this hope and this eternal life is really, you know, when we are living life in sin, it's not life at all. It's, it's death. Mm -hmm. You know, Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So we're kind of already, although we're living physically, when we're in sin, we're you know, really living in death. Mm -hmm. And so when Christ is resurrected in us, and he lives in us, then we have true life, which is what continues on for eternity. So I think Amen. that's how, you know, his, his resurrection uh, gives us assurance that he can resurrect in us and gives us a hope for the actual, you know, real eternal life that he's promising. Mm -hmm. um, because he's already risen in us, so why can't he resurrect our physical form as well? Amen. Yes, so eternal life is not just a physical body, physical experience, it's also a spiritual one as well. And uh, Pastor Derek referenced actually uh, John 10, 10. I've come to have life and life more abundantly. Mm -hmm. And when we think of the word abundance, oftentimes we think of in terms of numerical, in terms <laughs> of counting, but how do you have a numerical greater eternity, eternal life? So apparently here, abundantly may also relate to the quality of experience. Right. Yes, it's the time, but also the quality as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but we need to also look at this gift. We've talked about this change that will happen. And so I want us to understand when it happens, because we know there's going to be a change. We know there's going to be a process. We know we're going to be having a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. There's going to be a better quality experience, uh, salvation from, from sin, as uh, Nicholas referenced. And I'm going to ask Travis if you could actually read, because it's important for us to understand when this happens. So Travis, if you could take us to, we're going back here to the Apostle Paul, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, because it's important for us to understand when this happens, and also let's look a little bit about what this is that's going to happen for us. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say by the word to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Mm. All right. So this experience, this change that's going to happen, we said eternal life is now, but apparently there's also some kind of change that happens related to this idea of death. Uh, when does this happen, Brittany? Well, according to Paul, it happens at the coming, the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ. All right. So what does this mean, Jason? What is this experience we're talking about here? Well, it's just, you know, after, you know, everything takes place, you know, as far as, you know, the earth and its condition now, when Christ comes back, therefore the reward that we talked about in Revelation 22 is going to be given to those who sought him, you know, their whole life. All right. Travis. Well, I think it's important that we remember um, that God wants us all to, you know, the dead and the living, uh, this is going to be like a huge celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is ex- as exciting for God as it is for us, <laughs> you know, it, w- because we're the treasures. And so yeah. he's as excited to come and gather um, mm-hmm. his people at that time as we are as excited to sit here and wait mm-hmm. for him. So I'm, I think it's important to remember that this event is going to be amazing. Mm. Amen. Mm. Nisha, and then I'm also going to have you read in a second. Sure. And, and we spoke about, I think, in previous uh, lessons this, this quarter, just about the two resurrections that we're going to have. And in, in this one, we're specifically talking about the first resurrection when Jesus returns again, the promise that we read earlier in this lesson, he's gone up, I'm going to come back the same way. We're talking about that second time that he's coming. Um, and at that point, the dead will rise, as will those who believe in God. Mm-hmm. Both sets will be raised into heaven. And that's the first, resurre- the first uh, resurrection. Amen. Now, Paul describes this as a mystery, uh, Nisha. And so I'm going to ask, actually, if you can read about this mystery. We're going to go back to where we began, <laughs> to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Nisha, if you could read for us verses 51 through 55. Let's see, because Nisha shared with us about this first resurrection. Let's see, because Paul gives us a little bit of more clue, a little bit of details. He calls it a mystery, but he gives us some hints. So let's see what we can pick up here from the word of Christ, from the scriptures here about what's happening. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Mm -hmm. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Mm -hmm. All right. What is this? What are we talking about here, Travis? What is this? Well, this is the, the mystery that's being talked about is us being changed, both physically, spiritually. I mean, we'll have immortality finally, you know, and uh, that is something that I don't think we understand, right? Because everything to us, there's always an end. And, and mm. here we're going to experience life, life and a change without end. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Trisha Lee, a comment very quickly here. Yeah, you know, our our hearts and our characters have already been made like Jesus. When he shows up, you know, we know him. But we're not entering heaven and eternity with aches and pains um, or anything like that. He's going to physically give us new bodies, our eternally mortal bodies, 
And we just continue living with that new frame, the one that we were intended to have. Amen. 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 The Amen. one that we were intended to have. Yes. Jason, what do you think about this? This is the, just a great crescendo, you know, of the whole Christian experience. I mean, this is like Travis said, a, a celebration, you know, what we look forward to. And if this was the only passage in scripture right here, hey, we can close the book. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Kenneth, very quickly. Yeah, and then tying it together, it says that in Titus 1 um, verse 2, it says that in hope of eternal life with God, who cannot lie promised before time began. So Amen. this is the hope I believe in. Amen. Amen. This is the hope we believe in. Amen. Amen. And I want to challenge you. Maybe you've tried to find hope from the pleasures of the world. Maybe you've had some experiences like Solomon and you found out that life was pointless, meaningless without this hope in Jesus. I ask you, throw yourself into the hands of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you so that all together we will be ready on that day when our soon coming King comes to take us home with Him forever. Amen. 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 Well, I was smiling while Jason was closing <laughs> up our discussion today because uh, that's our hope. Amen. And, and uh, when the dead in Christ rise, those who love Jesus in their lives, who are sleeping, when they're raised and, and those living, maybe you'll be one of them, are changed in that moment, twinkling of an eye. It's going to be a great celebration, Amen. but we're not going to be saying so much, oh, I did it, I did it. We're going to be saying, praise Jesus, Amen. our awesome Savior. Yes. And what a time of rejoicing that will be. Friend, he, Jesus wants you to be there. Amen. He wants you even today to say, Jesus, save me so that I can be with you for eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we see so clearly in the New Testament the blessed hope that death has been defeated through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Our Savior can provide that eternal life for us, that we can enjoy that new life today and forever. And I pray for each one that we would trust Jesus as our beautiful Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. We're not even done yet. This is an important series, Life, Death, Resurrection, and Eternal Life. But not just information, friend, transformation. Accept what Jesus has done for you, and then go out and be a blessing to those around you. <laughs>